it's an American website and Canada's got two in a top 10 list. I'm so proud. My name is Ghost Guy Daniel and this is The Spirit Show. So I have an article here, shout out to listverse.com, 10 chilling myths and ghosts you have probably never heard of. So I scrolled quickly through because I was interested. I know Listverse, I'm almost sure, is an American website, not 100% sure. So I scrolled through and I'm like, oh, how many times does Canada appear? And I don't know if it's just because we're close. There's one that's in the Arctic. I don't know if that's considered Canada as well. Some people think it is. And then there's American ones, two or three, and then a few from overseas. But I'm very excited to dive into these myths and ghosts. So even if you do not believe in the supernatural, there's something weirdly entertaining about a creepy ghost story or ancient mythological being. From the chupacabra to the Loch Ness Monster, some myths have become incredibly notorious. But what about the lesser known but equally terrifying myths? So these are the lesser known. I'm, I'm curious if you guys have heard of these ones. You can let me know. There's a link to a contact form in the description. Or uh, you can go on, go- on uh, Ghost Guy Daniel. That's on Facebook and Instagram, and you can contact me through there. If there's any that aren't on this list that you've heard of and want to share, please let me know as well. These are things that I'm going to cover in future episodes of The Spirit Show as well. I want to feature your comments and your thoughts as openings to them and updates and whatnot. And if by chance I get anything wrong, which I know is very rare... I can correct myself in that regards too, and I'm hoping that you call me on that. I I have a thick skin. I'm not uh, easily offended if you tell me I'm wrong on something. I might fight you on it, verbally, but I'm not going to get upset. So in this list, you will learn about 10 ghastly ghosts and monstrous myths from various countries. Number 10. The Lumberjack Ghost. This is in Canada. So in the late 1800s, an Irish cook named Ryan traveled to New Brunswick, Canada to work as a cook at a logging camp near the Dungarvon River. One of his duties was to wake up everybody else for breakfast, which he would do with a series of loud whoops and hollers. Unfortunately, the boss of the camp was a short-tempered man who demanded that Ryan hand over the life savings he was carrying to help fund the camp. Ryan refused, so the boss sent the rest of the men on an early hunting trip one morning while he stayed behind with Ryan. The men came back to find Ryan dead and his money missing. Pretending that Ryan had suddenly died from illness, the boss ordered the men to bury the body in a shallow grave in the forest. Soon, Ryan started haunting the camp with loud whoops and shrieking noises. Terrified, the men bolted from the camp, including the boss, and never returned. For decades after, people claimed they had heard Ryan's cries ringing from the forest near the Dungarvon River. So that is New Brunswick, Canada. 
instead of saying uh, New Brunswick, um, like the, the actual town or whatever, saying the the province here makes me think that this is definitely written by uh, somebody from a different country, not so much from Canada. So in fact, Canada is on here twice. Uh, this is an interesting story. Now, I wish it would say whereabouts along the Dungarvan River, if I'm saying that correctly, because it runs a good length through New Brunswick uh, on the northern side. So it would be north of Moncton, which you probably have heard of, or uh, Shediac. It's all north of that. So it doesn't really say whereabouts. Again, legends are legends for that reason. So you're not going to get too many details on the matter, but uh, still a very interesting story. It's interesting. The guy's name is Ryan in the 1800s. I don't know. I don't think there was a lot of people named Ryan. Is Ryan a historic name? So it says here that Ryan was of Irish origin and that it comes from uh, Ryan, like R-I-A-N or Rian. That's its um, origin. But most of the, the, the dates here are quite new for the spelling with R-Y-A-N. So I'm wondering if maybe it was spelled differently or if, you know, the legend is just that. It is just a legend. Anyway, number nine, the Striga. And this is out of Poland. Again, if I'm, if I'm mispronouncing these words, I apologize. I, I am maybe too lazy today to actually look up the correct pronunciation, but it doesn't change the story. But I'm pretty sure this one is pronounced Strega. So it's a terrifying Slavic mythical beast. It has two souls, two sets of teeth, and two hearts. Legend has it that these creatures start out looking fairly human and are driven out of their homes for being evil. When they die in isolation, one of their souls gets passed into the next life, while the other stays and becomes demonic. The demon must then feed on living things to survive. Although animal blood is fine at first, they soon find themselves needing something more. Human blood. According to legend, they usually target people who have done wrong by them in their previous life, draining them of blood before feasting on their insides. It is thought that there are many ways of preventing Astriga from turning demonic after dying. The main method is decapitating and burning the corpse. Straightforward. However, the Slavic myth has crazier ways of eliminating demons, such as slapping the corpse with your left hand, leaving small items in its grave for it to count, and burying the body face down and slashing the tendons in its legs. So if you meet someone with two hearts, be nice to them, or else arm yourself with a sharp axe and box of matches. That is sage advice. It's interesting, they have like a drawing of this. You can do a Google search to see it. And it is a creepy, kind of, actually it's kind of cute. It's, it's creepy and cute at the exact same time. Now this one's obviously a legend. I mean... Mythical monsters such as the, I know people talk about Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster, and they say, "Okay, man, th there's a chance that these things exist." Because when you look at it logically, I mean, there was dinosaurs on the planet, and to say that the Loch Ness monster is a leftover dinosaur, you know, a line, you know, evolution favored it and it survived beyond that. You know, it's possible. 
I mean, look at birds and you look at, you know, a crocodile, and those are both were one-time dinosaurs. I'm sure they were much bigger back then. So then you say it's possible. Or like Bigfoot is the missing link, you know, the link between humans and uh, apes and monkeys. They never really had anything between, and they say Bigfoot is the missing link. So, I mean, again, it's possible. I mean, there's so much space on this planet that is too dangerous or impossible to explore. Who knows what's out there? We have no idea what other types of animals and even different species of human that might exist in the world. It's possible. It's very possible. But when you look at this and you say, okay, two souls, two sets of teeth, and two hearts, that tells me it's it's just complete myth that you know it's, it doesn't follow the same pattern as everything else in the world and say two souls might be an exaggeration and i know there's probably animals out there that have two sets of teeth and two hearts but then again i mean they they, they talk so much about it maybe there was a weird animal and then they just kind of spun this legend out of that anyway number eight lady koi koi this is in nigeria during the mid-20th century, a beautiful new teacher arrived at a boarding school in Nigeria. The children named her Lady or Madame Koikoi, so-called because of the strange koi-koi-koi sound her red heels made as she walked. Unfortunately, she was evil to her students and frequently hit them, seemingly enjoying it. The children reported Lady Koikoi to the headmaster, but he would not believe them even after she beat a student so much that they had to go to the hospital. Finally, the student decided to take matters into their own hands and attacked her one night. They gagged her, threw a sack over her body, and beat her until she stopped moving. They then dumped her body outside the school gates and hoped that a burglar would be blamed. Soon, each of the students involved in her murder went missing, one by one, and eventually the boarding school closed down. The story of Lady Koi Koi spread to other schools, and it did not take long before the students started hearing the dreaded Koi 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 sound. Legend says that she haunts the school halls looking for any child to torture and beat, exactly as she did when she was alive. Now this just screams legend to me i i don't think that there's much truth behind this i know there's teachers and like you know growing up catholic we had nuns as teachers who were uh brutal to say the least i know at one point you're not allowed to hit the kids anymore and i thankfully grew up in the time that you know afterwards where it wasn't okay to hit the kids but i mean they still threatened i mean that was that was the obvious part of it but to, you know, go to this extent, it sounds like a fever dream that some student who hated his teacher <laughs> or her teacher uh, had and that it became a legend. So, I mean, coming out of Nigeria, I know uh, African countries and even European countries that uh, legends are very easily thrown over the top. So I think this is one of those. Number seven, the Banshee of Tar River. And this is in North Carolina in the United States. During the American Revolutionary War, British colonists who did not plunge their loyalty to the crown had their property seized or worse, as the British forces or redcoats found them. 
Legend says that one of these rebels was Dave Warner, who had a flour mill by the Tar River and was supplying flour to the colony's militia. He was warned to stay away from the Tar River on a full moon, as the spirit of death, called a banshee, would search for new victims. The following year, five redcoats arrived at Dave's flour mill and beat him. They dragged him to the river, tied him to a big rock, and threw him into the water. Just then, they heard a blood-curdling wail as fog descended on the river. The redcoats dashed towards Dave's mill and locked themselves inside. Then, the banshee appeared and sent the men into a trance-like state, making them walk towards the river one by one. They walked into the flowing Black River and perished as the banshee's screams rang out over the water. Legend has it that the Tar River is still haunted by this banshee, and if you hear her wailing, you'll be her next victim. Yeah, no, I don't... uh, I mean, just from the sole fact that it's the stories being told with such detail, yet everybody who hasn't been involved with this banshee is dead tells me that the you know it's it's not something that has legitimacy it's a creepy story i mean i've seen like the 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 thought of banshees i would say if i ever if i ever do a ranking list of the freakiest types of ghosts which might be a future article now that i think about it i would say that banshees are definitely uh on the top of that they they freak me out especially some of the just do look at some of the artwork of what banshees supposedly look like and just the thought of the like the terrifying screams that come out of them it just it freaks me right out number 6 and here we go back to canada and just so happens that it's also connected with new brunswick give it to new brunswick i mean having multiple amazing creepy legends it's it's absolutely wonderful anyway this one is a headless nun in 1749 a french nun named sister marie went to New Brunswick, Canada to help the colonists who had escaped from the British. Soon after Sister Marie arrived in the colonists' community, the British heard they had evaded capture and were looking for them. As a trusted community member, the colonists gave their valuables to Sister Marie in case they were captured so she buried them in a safe place to stop them from being stolen. A few days later, Sister Marie was crossing through some woods when she was attacked by a group of men. They demanded that she reveal the location of the valuables. When she refused, they chopped off her head. Soon after, Sister Marie's body was sent to France, minus the head. There were sightings of someone walking down the path she walked every night. One day a man was walking down the path, and he noticed a nun emerging from the woods. He screamed in terror as she came closer. She was headless. Legend has it that she can be seen wandering around in the middle of the night on a full moon, searching for her missing head. A couple quick comments. First off, every single story of a ghost without a head always ends with them searching for their missing head. It's, I, I know if I was a headless ghost, I'd probably be also searching for my missing head. So I, I think it's legit. I do believe it. It's just it's such a common thing. I mean, if I was a ghost with a missing head, I would probably start a support group for other, for other for other ghosts with missing heads, so that you can come together and like you know work together to find all your missing heads. But then I would I would think 
there'd be a lot of jealousy in that, right? What if, uh, you know, John, the ghost with the missing head, gets his head back, and then everybody else still has their missing? I, I think they'd be jealous of John. <laughs> that's not, that's not very good. And the other comment is, it said that a man walking down a path noticed the nun emerging from the woods, and uh, like he knew she was a nun. How? Like it would just been like seeing a woman in in maybe like robes emerging you wouldn't have seen the if without the head do you really know it's a nun like what i guess it could be could have been wearing like a cross you know those large wooden cross necklaces that the the monks and nuns used to wear but uh even then i would say okay it could be a monk how would you know if the robes were flowing i don't think they were wearing like lululemon spandex pants or something it's just so i question i question it but again new brunswick good on you it's it's amazing that you you made this list twice, right? There's other parts of Canada as well. I'm just saying, New Brunswick. Number five, the Clude, Belgium. They say a dog is man's best friend, but the Clude is one canine you do not want on your side. In Dutch folklore, it's a shapeshifter that often takes form as a huge dog, but it sometimes appears as a small shrub or tree that grows bigger and bigger before your eyes. Legend says that it stalks the deserted roads in Belgium, searching for unsuspecting travelers at night. The only thing that can be heard before the beast launches its attacks is the sound of chains. Once the crude has found its victim, it is said to jump onto the victim's back, forcing them into the ground, where the creature's razor-sharp claws and teeth rip them apart. So, if you're hiking through the Dutch countryside, staying off the roads at night is best. But if you have no other choice and you hear the sound of chains rattling, run for your life. That was a a quick switch, right? It's a dog-like creature, but then it can also be seen as a small shrub or tree. (laughs) It's like, I wasn't really too sure that that is connected in any way. Maybe because dogs pee on shrubs and trees. Maybe that's the connection. I'm just just from a storyteller aspect. When I when I when I when I look into this story to say, you know, what's the legitimacy of it? To see that connection there, I have to be able to logically see a connection. Even if the story was made up, I mean, when they were telling the story, it's just probably some drunk. Uh, Dutchman that was sitting there, like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a dog and it. It'll shapeshift into a tree, and his buddies are probably just sitting there shaking their heads like, this guy, what what the heck did he drink? He's <laughs> like, uh, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> it's like, it uh, sounds like a, f- a fever dream, a sweaty, sweaty fever dream. That's what I get this from the story out of Belgium. Number four, the legend of Inupisigic. This is from the Arctic. The creature in the Inuit mythology, they are giants that live in the north. Not much is known about them, but according to legend, the female giants are more common and much larger than the males. Maybe they are more aggressive, and Noah has lived to tell their tale. The um, Inupisigic think humans are funny and will pick them up and use them as playthings. Females may snatch people, throw them into large parkas and carry them away. One thing is for sure, if you see one, hide. 
I can agree with that. So there's giants living in the Arctic that can treat humans basically like dolls, pick them up and go, I'm a human, and then throw them into their parkas and walk away with them. I'm sorry if this is not serious enough for you guys. I, I just really, I realize I want to I want to approach ghost stories in a very serious way. And if there's a legitimate legitimacy to the ghost story, I really do dive deep on it, especially if there's like a real historical connection. I guess you can say this is more of a uh, spoof show that I'm, I'm making a lot of jokes during this. And I, I was hoping, I mean, some of the stories have some creepy aspects to it, but most of it just kind of, it tickles me to read these because I can realize that, you know, uh, with the stories from Legends, if it's a robust story that gets into detail, even if it's made up detail, I'm hooked. I mean, it's basically like, you know, watching a movie or a TV show and it's really well written and there's a lot of detail to it and it freaks you out in the end. I mean, just go on YouTube and find those uh, channels where they got the guy or the, the, the mostly guys in this in this regard with the deep voice, who, you know, tell the ghost stories and at the same time. They have the visuals. Those capture me because there's detail into it. I can picture myself in that person's shoes. And, you know, what if that happened to me? And that freaks me the hell out. But then I, I read stuff like this and it's like a giant in the Arctic who will pick a human up and be like, ah, oh, you're a cute little doll, and then throw them into their uh, their pouch and then walk away with them. God knows what they do. It probably puts them in the... You know, some people, uh, little girls or uh, will have dolls on their bed and like just like in rows. And then I know horror movies have done that where there's that one really creepy doll in the middle that ends up moving and walking away. I, that's what I picture, that they take all the humans to their large giant bed and then line them up like dolls and say, "You don't you move? You're you're my doll now." <laughs> and this is why I laugh. This is where my brain goes. So now you understand. I'm not trying to make fun. Uh, there's history behind these, but it's where my brain goes. Number three, Daragdua. This is out of Ireland. In a time when arranged marriages were common in Ireland. There was a young woman who fell in love with a peasant in her village, but her evil father decided to sell her to a rich but cruel man who was a local chieftain. After the forced marriage, she suffered under his cruel ways, being locked away for weeks at a time and used as a trophy. She became extremely depressed, stopping to eat, and eventually passed away. Her husband soon remarried, and her father was too elated with his new fortune to care about his deceased daughter. The woman's spirit was so enraged that it forced out of her grave thirsty for revenge. She killed her father and the evil husband, draining the chieftain of his blood. She became known as this name, then developed an insatiable taste for human blood. She started luring men to dark and hidden places where she would attack them and drain their blood, but the legend says that she then disappeared. What happened? Is she still prowling, searching for new victims? Some say that her grave can be found in Waterford, Ireland, at the Tree of Strongbow. A word of warning, though, do not go alone. I love at the end of all the stories, the author here uh, gives a word of warning. The author being Jamie Fratter. 
you know, shout out to Jamie Fratter. So this is an Irish vampire, according to the tale. Um, like to drain the men's blood, I guess. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, listen. These stories, if the, the, the more simple they are, I mean, the, the easier they are to understand, but the harder they are to believe. So in my opinion, it's just a simple story that has been told many times before. A woman was mistreated, which is terrible. And uh, because of depression, she dies and then she comes back for revenge. I mean, it's just there's so many horror movies out there. They follow that storyline. And when you go to Ireland, I mean, there's there's amazing ghost stories and amazing legends. And I wouldn't consider this on the top of that. So I would say that this is probably, you know, not real. And that it's just a straight out story. I, I don't even see... Like, uh, not to say anything about the author of the article, but I don't really see the details that are are, are added to this. You know, her, um, like, you, you know her motivation, but, you know, why drink their blood? You know, why are you coming back to attack all men because you're angry at men? Again, I mean, it's just, uh, it's it's missing some things that you can't you can't fully connect to it. And again, I just, I mean, the legends all come from a grain of truth. And I'm sure there was a lot of mistreated women in Ireland, especially back in those days with arranged marriages. And, you know, this type of story occurred many times, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I don't know, just, it's too simple. And a lot of these stories are just, they're very simple. There's not, there's not enough detail into it to really, you know, allow me to connect to it and to feel that there's a realism to it. So, but it's interesting they actually have a, a physical location, Waterford, Ireland. And looking it up, it's actually a really interesting place. It's a seaport town, so it's on the south end of Ireland, um, quite a bit away from Dublin. And it is considered Ireland's oldest city. It was founded by the Vikings in 1914 A.D., uh, it's it's uh, amazing. Ancient walled core still remains. So very cool place. I mean, if you're going to pick a place for a legend, that'll be it. Maybe one day I'll get to visit it. Anyway, number two, the Demon of Ghost Men's Bridge. This is out of Texas in the United States. There's something eerie about old creaky bridges, but the old Alton Bridge in Dallas, Texas, exudes a special kind of creepiness. According to the local legend, underneath the old Alton Bridge, it's home to a demonic creature known as the Goatman. Witnesses say the menacing creature is a terrifying sight, standing eight feet tall with head, legs, and hooved feet of a goat and the arms and chest of a man. It also sports huge horns and evil eyes that glow. According to legend, if the Goatman's name is spoken by someone crossing the bridge, the monstrous creature will be summoned. Although he's said to sleep under the bridge during the day, the goatman comes out at night to hunt for food. But if his name is spoken during the day, he becomes even more aggressive, probably annoyed at being woken up. It is also believed that the bridge is a gateway to hell, and some people have reported seeing horrifying visions of brimstone and fire when crossing the bridge at exactly 3 a.m. If you are a paranormal enthusiast, then visit the Ghost Man's Bridge, Goat, Goat Man's Bridge. It's well worth it. 
So 3 a.m. is the true witching hour. I don't know if you guys know this. Some people think it's midnight. No, 3 a.m. because it's considered the calmest time in the world. So most people are sleeping. The world is at rest. It's very calm. You talk about people who wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. It's always very calm and quiet. You can feel very relaxed. So when I when I say, okay, that's very interesting. They worked in the witching hour. And I mean, the story, I mean, to be a goat man is kind of weird. Doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, this is basically a devil figure. Anything associated with the goat is a devil figure. That if uh, the name of the goat man is spoken, uh, what is his name? Is it goat man? I don't know. He's, he has a secret name. Is also kind of religious connotation to it. So I'd say I'd say this is basically a spinoff of something religious. And down in Texas, in the U.S., I know there's a lot of religious people in Texas. It doesn't say um, so in Dallas. So not not uh, some of the more liberal cities like Austin, but Dallas could be more traditional. Not 100% sure on that, but it might be. And looking at the bridge, I can see why people would think it's creepy. But underneath, it's 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 a waterway. So that's a bridge going over water. So does the goat man live in the water? I mean, there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions that need to be answered here. But I like this one. I like this one because I know it has religious connotations to it. I mean, people see horrifying visions of brimstone and fire. Uh, it's more, more normally saying fire and brimstone, but that's the obviously hell and the goat men being the devil. So I can, I can see the origins of this being a religious origin. I'd like to know what the human connection to it is, like who is the, you know, the original person to supposedly see the goat men. But it, it reminds me of things like, um, what is it, the Mothman? And, uh, you know, the monsters like that who, you know, probably, I'd say almost 100% don't exist. And it says the demon. They call him a demon. So anyway, it's more robust than some of the other stories because I like the religious connection to it. Uh, I could say I'm a fan of the Goatman. Number one, the Haunted Phelps Mansion. This is in Connecticut, also in the United States. In 1848... Congressional Minister Eliakim Phelps purchased a mansion on Elm Street in Stratford, Connecticut that would become the base of the famous Stratford Knockings. Two years after he bought the house, Phelps and his family noticed strange going-ons in their home. One day, Phelps and his family came home to find black funeral crepe had been hung on the door and over the mirrors. I think that's like a curtain. It is a traditional sign of uh, recently somebody had died. They also found one of Mrs. Phelps' nightgowns spread out on the bed with the arms crossed over the chest as if being worn by someone lying in a coffin. If that was not creepy enough, the family also came home to find their drawers had been open, clothes thrown around, and various belongings strewn about, but no valuables had been taken. Other creepy things started happening too, such as items falling from the shelves and windows being smashed. Newspapers eventually heard about the Stratford knockings, and accounts were being published about it. Paranormal enthusiasts also began stopping by the Phelps mansion, hoping to catch a glimpse. Unfortunately, to this day, the hauntings have remained a mystery, and the house itself was demolished. 
Now, you know I'm a sucker for these types of stories. I mean, this is a haunted house story more than a legend, I would say. And I think it's given even more mystery because the house was demolished, so it's no longer there anymore. You can talk about the houses of the past and what happened inside of them. And the investigators, they can go, they can investigate, they can see the structures, see if they match the stories. I'm looking at a picture of the house here. There's not much available, but there's this like old pixelated black and white picture that I found. It's got the columns in the front. It's a interesting looking old house. So I think it just adds to the mystery to know that the house was demolished. It's unfortunate that we can't go and visit it to kind of investigate, but the story is quite interesting. And I, I like the deep connection here with death. The um, curtains that were hung when the family comes home, the nightgown with the arms across. I mean, the family must have thought it as a threat, like the spirits are going to kill them. But it could almost be just, you know, whoever the ghost was had an obsession with death. You know, maybe trying to tell a story of what happened to them. I wouldn't see it unless there was a feeling. And this is, again, if it, it existed, you can go in and you can feel how it feels in there, too. Unless there's like a feeling when you walk in that this thing was restless and uh, malevolent. It's not it was going to be against you. Then it could just be, you know, trying to reach out to people in the only way it knows how. Or maybe it knew that the, the mother or the father of the family was frightened of death as most of all people are and that this is the way it would you know get to them the most but it's an interesting story and again anything with a haunted house especially since the house has been demolished you know people aren't really going to talk about it anymore after the house is gone this one to be able to cross over into that legendary status it's unique and it's interesting now i don't know if i when i was reading this any reason why they call it knockings? I'm not 100% sure about that because I didn't really read anything about any knockings that happened other than, you know, knocking their fear. That's <laughs> the only connection I can possibly think of. But, you know, definitely an interesting story. So I will link this article in the description if you guys want to want to read it for yourself and see the pictures. Uh, every single section... Actually, most of the sections, not all of them, uh, have also embedded videos. So definitely go check those out and see other folks talking about the stories other than me. Maybe they do a better job than I do, but it's definitely worth checking out. Again, shout out to Listverse. Thank you so much for providing such a wonderful article. And the author, uh, Jamie Fratter, uh, thank you so much. Very well written. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on Thursday.